7-6, the Colts in front, early third period. Titans on first down. Here comes Blitz. Blitz coming. Give Eddie charge. Yeah. Cuts back up the middle. 35, has room. 40. He's out of here. 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, in zone. 68 yards. Eddie George, touchdown, Titans. Third down and five. McNair See, looking every, over the everything's middle. Everything's outside. Looking to run. Now steps back, rolls left. Rolls right in bad trouble back at the 40. He gets away somehow. Fires downfield. There's Dyson. Dyson at the timeout. 10. Ball timeout. He's tackled at the 10. The Titans ask for timeout with five seconds to go. Glad to have you with us for the official Titans podcast. This is the OTP, a very special edition. I'm Mike Keith, joined by former Titans head coach, former Oilers head coach, Jeff Fisher. This feels familiar. It does. Uh, obviously, this is all new. This There's is all a lot new. of things that are new. Uh, you know, on my way in, I, I said, wow, how long has it been? It's been nine years, you know. So a lot's happened, but uh, it's very exciting to be back. And an exciting week for everybody who loves Steve McNair and Eddie George. Their jerseys will be retired Sunday at Nissan Stadium. Can you just start off describing your feelings about the fact that you – were their head coach? You know, um, it, it's just uh, I've been out of it now, Mike, for a few years, and and to think back uh, at uh, the moments in time and the special moments and the, not only the wins and the the playoff appearances and everything, but just the grueling hard days in the off season and the training camp days and just day to day with not only the two of them, but the rest of their teammates, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was just amazing. And, and because of, because of what we're talking about and, and the events, you know, come Sunday, which I'll be at incidentally. So I was really excited to be invited. Amy invited me. And so I'll see you again, but, um, you know, it's just so many memories of, of the two of them. And, um, you know, and they're obviously they're, the memories are similar when you when you talk about the uh, you know the the plane memories the game memories the football memories and and those things and then of course you know their their past took such drastic different different directions and you know I think about Steve um, almost every day I mean certainly the Fourth of July is hard on me as it is their family and everything but uh, it, it's really a, a first class thing to do I think on behalf of the Titans organization to recognize both of them and uh, to be able to put those jerseys up on the on the inside of the stadium knowing that they'll never be worn by anybody again it's pretty impressive. You become the coach of the Oilers in late 94. First draft is spring of 95. You're made the permanent head coach. You and Floyd Reese, working together, decide you're going to select a quarterback, and you're going to take a quarterback out of Alcorn State who should have won the Heisman Trophy, but there's still lots of questions about whether or not this guy's game is going to translate to the NFL. What convinced you and Floyd and everybody else in the process that Steve McNair could be your franchise quarterback? Pretty simple. Uh, I don't want to simplify the process, but uh, we watched all the tape. Uh, Floyd and I, Rich Sneed, and Jerry Rome went down to a pro day, and we watched Steve uh, in person. And we had time with Steve after and got him on the board. And, um, you know, it wasn't until – what people don't realize is, I mean, they – 
Steve coming out, everybody focused on his the, that last year. And um, the year before, he played in a pro-style offense. So he's under center and making calls. And, and then, they'll, you know, they changed their offense to suit his ability. And he's running up and down the field, shotgun, and, you know, doing all that stuff. People go, well, that's not going to translate. Well, guess what? He's already done stuff that's going to translate. So, you know, we knew it was going to be hard. We knew it was going to take time. So, and, but we had time. It wasn't like we're going to bring this young man in and we're going to stake him under center and go. We did that in this first preseason game. It was hard. I mean, I think we played Arizona and Buddy Ryan, and Buddy was going to prove something. And, I mean, Steve dropped a snap and then this, you know, and fumble. And, the, you know, it was he wanted to prove a point. Well, you know, we just said, told Steve, it's like, hey, look, you know, we're going to get you ready. Just You're going to be really good in this league. And, and I just never forget Steve always saying, when someone asks, well, when are you going to be ready? When are you going to play? And Steve's answer was, when coaches say I'm ready. And when coach says I'm ready. So, um, you know, it was fun watching him develop. And over the couple years, you know, 95, 96, he had all kinds of experience. He had he came in when we were ahead, came in when we were behind, came in when we were eliminated from the playoffs, and came in when someone got hurt, when, when Chris Chandler got hurt. So he got all the experience. And then you could tell that attitude attitude started change and he'd had enough of this you know backing up stuff and he was ready to go and so you know we we got him ready we got him going so i made a coordinator change and uh got steve going and and he certainly took it and ran with it you stuck with a plan with him could you do that in today's nfl I don't – well, you could, you can, but um, nine out of ten people are going to disagree with you and they're going to find reason. And, you know, it's it's just a different world now. The social media thing is so different. But, you know, we just said, look, we've got a plan. Just trust us. This is going to work. It's it's work. It'll work out. And, you know, it did. And, you know, from, from you know, people question – I'm sure there are people question. They wanted to see him play. But, you know, he ends up taking us to the Super Bowl. And then a couple of years later, he's a co-MVP. So – you know our process worked it's hard the position is hard i mean we're we're a month after right now all, uh, all, um, you know andrew luck retiring right i mean that just shows you how difficult it is and how demanding it is and you know it, not only physically but just emotionally and mentally it's it's a tough position to play on third down and 8 the line to make the 3 bennett is wide to the right mason and mccarrens to the left McNair from the gun. Holcomb is to his immediate right. McCarron's in motion inside Mason on the left side. Mack takes the snap. Looking, looking, looking. Has some time. Now he's running out of time. Now he may run. McNair breaks the tackle. 10, 5, it's on. Touchdown! Titans! Steve McNair sells her out for a big six. All right, so let's fast forward to 1999. 97 at Memphis. 98 at Vanderbilt. You're the Titans. You open the stadium. You get ahead of Cincinnati 26-7. to Jeff Blake gets hot. They score 28 straight points. Jeff Blake cramps up, has to come out of the ball game. So you're down 35-26. You come back and win the game 36-35, to 10 points in the last four minutes of the ball game. Steve McNair needs back surgery right after that. When did you find out that Steve McNair needed back surgery? Well, we knew that we knew that Steve was was hurting. Um, Steve had been hurting. Not very many people knew. Um, you know, Steve did some amazing things during his career, and 
he was in a lot of pain. But um, he, for some reason, for three hours and four minutes on Sunday, he could block it. But it got to the point where he was going to need he's going to need some help. You told everybody though. You said he'll be back in six weeks. He'll miss five games, and then he's the starter again. Neil O'Donnell comes in, does a great job. You go four and one. You come out of the bye five and one. Steve's back. You're ready to play the the St. Louis Rams, and you say against a lot of people publicly who are saying, "What are you doing?" Steve McNair is back at quarterback. So it's first and goal, Tennessee. They cannot make a first down. McNair, quarterback draw. He's McNair in. Five. McNair, touchdown, Titans. You were right. That's too easy. Ten-yard run for Steve McNair. And just listen to him. Why was it that you never, ever relented about him being the guy when he could go? Well, I, I knew him very well. Um, you know, I, I just there. You know, Neil had a great career, and and, and he, his role here was extraordinary. But Steve was our guy, and uh, just we committed to him. I made the personal commitment. I looked him in the eye and told him that you are our guy, and I'm going to stand behind you, regardless of what happens. And uh, you know, kept my word, and it was it wasn't hard. It's not hard to keep your word to Steve McNair. I mean, you talk about the back. I mean, I'll fast forward, you know, six or seven years. I'm at, over here around the corner at, at, in um, Baptist Hospital in ER, not ER, but I was in recovery because my youngest son had to have a plate, or my oldest son had to have a plate taken out of his ankle because he injured in college and it was Thanksgiving weekend. So he came home for the holidays. We'll have our, our medical staff do it. And I'm sitting there waiting for him to come out of surgery. And I'm game planning on Tuesday. It's a day off. And I'm sitting there looking at notes and things. And I look up and Steve McNair is walking across, pushing a walker with Michelle across the the surgery center in a walker. And I had no idea that my quarterback was going to be at, over there at the hospital. And I called the head trainer. He goes, oh, yeah, he's just getting an epidural injection in his back, so he'll practice tomorrow. It's no big deal. It's like, no big deal. That was just, that was commonplace for Steve. And, so and now this even, is four or five, five, six years later. But they didn't even feel like they needed to tell you that because this was just standard Steve McNair yeah. procedure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen, I mean, I, I watched him come on the sideline. I go, you okay? He's shaking his hand and, then you know, thumbs dislocated or nails torn off. He goes, yeah, I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The what was really amazing about them football wise, Eddie and Steve, is that it was almost as if Eddie's incredible reliability and the fact that he never missed a game, which is unreal, it almost allowed Steve to grow up into this role that you saw for him all along. Fair? It does, yeah. I mean, there's no better way to develop a quarterback than to run the ball and play good defense. And that's that was a, a huge – that was a contributing factor towards Steve's success. Had we had the approach where we brought him in and we want to put him in a run-and-shoot offense and just throw it 45, 50 times a game, Steve wouldn't have survived. But Steve had an amazing memory, and he, he, had, he was able to grasp this game, and he had a feel, and he had that burning desire to be cut loose. But I just didn't want to cut him loose too, too soon. 
And so we just brought them along. And people can argue all they want with how we handled it. but And everybody's different, too. I mean, you know, we bring Neil in, and Neil, Neil you know, he grabs a playbook, comes back in, he knows the offense, he's going to go get, get it done. And not that Steve was a slow learner, but Steve needed the experience and he once he had the experience then it was it was really fun to watch him play from the 35 first and 10 McNair goes toss sweep George coming left and he cuts it up 30 25 20 yes 15 10 5 in zone Eddie George 35 yards to Pater touchdown tight you played with Walter Payton you know tough Eddie George never missing a game? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to think that that running back in in the modern football era has not missed a game. A look over your shoulder or put, put something on, put NFL Network on or SportsCenter and watch these guys go down. It's amazing. But and the, the Eddie was there week after week after week. Eddie knew this. See, and, and I had seen this out of one person. Now, Walter was a different it was a different deal that I mean uh, I'm really fortunate Mike for having the experience and the years and the league and seeing and I mean I love to share the stories but to watch Walter do what he did was amazing considering the fact that Walter was just over 5'9 he was right at 200 pounds and had a size eight and a half foot and but now Walter could jump on his hands and walk on his hands across the field I watched him do that but he was so tough and never missed a game and then to have an opportunity. I mean, there was a lot of that Walter Payton in me when we saw, when we saw Eddie. Eddie was a different type of back. He was a big, he was a powerful back, but he was just dominating. That's that's how you run the football and how you win games in the National Football League. And I still believe that's the case today. Things have changed. You got to obviously you got to you got to do it what you got to do whatever week to week to win, but um, when it comes down to it, you know, there you put fear in your opponent's eyes by saying, "You know what? I don't know if we can stop this run." So but anyway, that's the way Eddie was, and and to think that he never missed a game. Now he might have been close here and there, but he sure he didn't let you know. But my point is this: is that um, as Eddie as as the years grew and Eddie moved on in the you know in that year of four and five and six, he would he knew that he had to work harder every off season just to maintain the level, not to get better, but just to maintain he had to work harder. That was Jerry Rice's philosophy. I saw that firsthand at San Francisco. So that was where Eddie was. And so if he trained, you know, if he did something between year two and year three and he thought he trained as hard as he possibly could, that next year he had to train harder. And that brings up that story. You know, Eddie Eddie surprised me. I was on an NFL network, you know, a month ago or two months ago. And they, he, they surprised me with Eddie. And uh, I had just finished telling a story about Eddie. And, um, and then they asked him about it. And guess what? They were, they, they were accurate. We were both speaking the same language, telling the truth about the same thing. And real quickly, the Super Bowl's over. Okay, 99, we've lost, we're back. We've had the parade on, on Tuesday. And after the parade, we're in this building. And Daddy walks into my office and he says, I don't want to go to the Pro Bowl. And I said, well, what are you talking about, Eddie? You've got to be supposed to be on a flight already. The Pro Bowl's Sunday. It's Tuesday. He goes, I don't want to go. I go, Eddie, wait, wait, listen to you, what you're saying. You've been voted by your peers and by the fans and the coaches, and you're going to go to the Pro Bowl and just go. It's like it's a thing you've got to do. 
I go, why don't you want to go? He goes, because, Jeff, I want to start on next year right now. And that was the mindset after the 99 season. But that was Eddie's mindset from year one all the way till the time he retired as a cowboy. When Steve died, you told a story about 2000 that nobody ever knew, and that was the Kansas City game. He takes the shot in the sternum. We later find out that his sternum never developed. Dr. Elrod later discovered that he did not have a sternum like a normal person. So this injury had to be horribly painful. We had a very strange week three bye. So there were two weeks between the Kansas City game and the Pittsburgh game. You told the story that Steve McNair didn't want to play football anymore. I didn't share the story with many people um, until uh, I eulogized Steve. Right. But, um, yeah, it was um, it was a defining moment in my career um, when, we, when we went through that. Um, Steve was hit, as you say. We were down. Um, he threw a couple interceptions that weren't his fault against Kansas City. He got hit, and um, he, he didn't get up off the field. I went on the field, and he was breathing, and, and he was really, really – I'd never seen a, an athlete in in the moment in so much pain. Steve goes up the tunnel, and as he's going in the tunnel, it's 100 degrees, and, and he hears now at quarterback number 14, Neil O'Donnell, and the crowd goes nuts. So he hears that, okay, and then he gets to the hospital. So, so um, I'm busy and everything. So on, you know, I stay in touch with the doctors, and he's, you know, they're, they're, he's sedated, he's resting comfortably. So Tuesday I go over to see him, and I walk uh, into the room, and his wife, Lucille, um, his mom, rather Lucille and Michelle are there, and um, I gave Lucille a hug, and and she shook her head. I go, how's he doing? She shook her head. So. I go in to see him, and he is done. He's done. Um, he wants to uh, quit and retire or whatever, but he's not going to play anymore. Uh, and so this is Tuesday. Now, as you just mentioned, we had a bye week. So fortunately, I had a bye week. So I went Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He's not changed his mind. Friday, he's, you know, he's still he's feeling a little better. We had a practice before I cut him loose for the weekend, and I caught him laughing behind the offense. And Steve was just saying, talking about the passion. It's just the, the passion's not there. I just don't feel it. I just, it's like, he was like unemotional. He was numb. And I caught him laughing behind the offense on the practice field with a couple of the guys. And I brought him in my office on Friday before the bye weekend, and I said, I said, all right. I said, I'm going to ask you two questions. One is... You know what you were doing behind the offense during the seven-on-seven period? No. He goes, I go, you're laughing. And he kind of shrugged his shoulders and he goes, whatever. I go, no, you're having fun. There's a little bit of fun out there. You're having fun. My next question is, what are you doing this weekend? He goes, well, I'm going to go. I think he said he was going to go to Chicago and just get away. And so I said, all right, get away. Take a deep, you know, just go, get away, rest up, get away from ball. We'll talk. But at that point, I mean, he was still done. He wasn't. So now Neil, I got Neil's plan. I'm playing against Pittsburgh the following weekend. And so by weekend's over, he and I see Steve and I'm thinking, okay, all I got to do now, I got to figure out a way to, to get him to be a number two rather than three because you deactivate your third quarterback. So I go, okay, so let's. So he comes back. I said, how was Chicago? He goes, I didn't go to Chicago. I go, really? Where'd you go? He goes, I went to Houston. 
I go, he went to Houston. And then, yeah, he went to, as, as the story has it, truth has it, he went to Houston to, to reunite a relationship with our former team pastor, Mitch. And so he spent the weekend there in pain, but visiting with the team pastor, Mitch, and who's a great man. And um, so I said, so no Chicago, Mitch, yeah, how you doing? He goes, yeah, I can't do this. I go, well, let, let's just, let's we, let's see if we can get through the week. And maybe by the end of the week, you could be a two rather than a three. And then we'll just get Neil through the game. We'll kind of see where it's at. So anyway, we get through the week. Nobody knows because Steve Sternum hurts. It's hot. It's really easy to hide all this stuff behind the, the injury. So we do so. And, and as you remember, you have to help me with this. But we were down by four, I think with inside of two minutes left at Pittsburgh and Neil comes he's being carried off the field his by Eddie yeah and and Neil's face mask is sideways and there's blood coming out his nose and Neil is in somewhere in the next month he's not not well and I look at Steve and Steve he motions to our assistant equipment guy who's still here, Joey Bronca. He goes and gets a ball and he throws it three times. He turns at me and he winks. He runs out on the field. Four plays later, he throws a touchdown pass to Aaron Kinney in the back of the end zone after scrambling, I think, for about 15, 18 yards. And, um, and scores. Then we score the touchdown. The game's over. McNair takes the snap. Blitz coming. McNair lobs the ball for Kinney. He's there. Touchdown, Titans. Aaron Kenny catches it in the right corner of the end zone, running all alone. I caught him after I after I shook Bill Cowher's hand. I caught Steve and I walked off. I go, you good? And he winked at me, smiled, and he pointed up at the sky at the heavens. That was it. And he went on from there. Changed so everything. It did. But what that did to me as a coach, it made me realize that uh, how much I personally failed him between the 99 season and the beginning of the, that current season, 2000. Because I took the Eddie George approach, if you will. I want to start on next year right now. And the quarterback position itself is delicate, and it is hard. And, and, and I don't want to put Andrew Luck in this but he still falls into the category in that it is there's a defining moment at somewhere and if over history and I've talked to other coaches about it, it's year four to six or four to seven where they just don't want to do it anymore. Because one, their body, two, the just the mental drain, three, the pressure. And it's not Mike, it's not Sunday pressure. It is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday pressure. That's the that's the misconception. If your quarterback on a Wednesday practice, first day of the game plan day, goes out and has a bad practice, your team has a bad practice, and guess what? Everybody out there says you're not going to win because we had a bad practice on Wednesday because somebody through social media is counting your interceptions, your completion percentage, or whatever it is. And so you can't, you know, you just, as a quarterback, you can't have bad practice. So it's too much pressure. So... I realized that, and from that time on, I made it fun for him, and I made it fun for any quarterback that I ever coached during the season on the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday thing. It had to be fun. Go but ahead. I think you're wrong about something. I yeah. think you had done something for him coaching-wise. You got him Mike Heimerdinger. I did, yeah. And, and Dinger worked on him through 2000, but when Eddie's toe was hurt in 2001, yeah. Dinger turned the offense towards Steve. Yeah. 
And their relationship, so unusual because Dinger was nothing like anybody who'd ever been around Steve. But he so brought the best out of him and believed in him the same way. He did. And and it was Frank and it was Derek and it was Drew Bennett and it was the group. You know, he just, he's just stretching it now. And, you know, we we were a running football team. People were going to book. They're going to load the line of scrimmage regardless of whether Eddie's there or not. And now it's that long play action, those deep shots. And, and, you know, obviously he ends up being the co-MVP. You think I was excited. And he was excited. The two of us, after what we had been through together in 2000, it was amazing. The, the, just the relationship and the depth and, you know, and just the personal things that, that every player goes through. He was just really, really good and open about that. Titans will go back into the spread. Three receivers to the right, including Holcomb. Two to the left. McNair from the gun. McNair takes the snap. Looks, looks, looks. Throws into the end zone. Caught! Wycheck! Touchdown! Titans! Frank Wycheck, his eighth grab, his third on this drive. And what a revival for the veteran from Maryland. Let me ask you about Steve becoming an MVP and elevating to that next level. Two things I want to hear from on you, how much that meant to to you and Mike Heimerdinger and the other players around Steve, but also how amazingly Eddie George handled the offense going from Eddie's offense to very much becoming Steve's offense. Well, Told a lot about yeah, both of them. Yeah, didn't it? it was there was a it was a transition period. I mean, I don't want to say Eddie was twilight, but Eddie thought, you know, I may play a little bit longer here. We can throw it instead of being that you know sixty forty run pass. Maybe we're for we're sixty forty pass run. I may just play a little longer. But he understood that it was Eddie was just a team guy. Now I'll never forget that moment, man, and I can tear up, choke up now, but. When I sh- had coaches and players in that room, and I shut that door down this hall, and then I told them that Steve was a co-MVP. I mean, that was um, that was one of the highlights of my career, being able to tell that football team that, that in that moment when I got word from New York. And um, so, but yeah, it, there was a transition there. It went from from Eddie to Steve, and now all of a sudden, people are going, "Whoa, these guys!" You know. These guys, if they stay healthy, and it's hard enough as it is, but if, you know, we're going to go do some things. And then, of course, you know, you got that, that we lost championship game, the Raiders, you know, uh, and that was difficult. But um, we didn't play particularly well on defense. But uh, we got there. You know, we got there with an with a, a outstanding quarterback. I can still make the case that the 2003 Titans were the best team that's ever been here. Yeah, I think that 2000, I mean, the 2000, yeah, two oh three was good with that offense. But, yeah, with that offense. But I mean, uh, well, I'll, I'll say two thousand was a better team than ninety nine. I mm-hmm. thought. Um, I did too. And uh, and then you know to have what happened to have to us against Baltimore, it was like whoa. But I mean, block two punts and they go sideways out of bounds, and then whatever else happened, the ball and off of Eddie and DeRay, and you know, I, I you know I look, I still congratulate Brian when I see him, but that was uh, that was a crazy day. It was. You know, I don't day. think there was a first down in the second half by their offense. But the 2003 team, until Steve suffered the cracked bone spur in his ankle, was unstoppable on offense. Yeah. And 
how you how you meshed that down the stretch to go ahead and get yourself into the playoffs using three different quarterbacks. You talked Neil O'Donnell yeah. into coming back for the Tampa Bay yeah. game after you'd cut him twice during the year. But in the playoffs, I mean, Steve wasn't right. You go to Baltimore on a Saturday. You haven't beaten Baltimore in four years. And you've got to play this team that's been your nemesis. Steve throws three picks. He doesn't. Ha- he's the MVP the day before officially. But he doesn't have the good stuff. And yet, it's Eddie George's signature game. Yeah, it is. It's Eddie and Ray. Eddie and Ray. You know, matchup after matchup, and it was. McNair gives George running left, running hard, and dragging tacklers down to the 46-yard line. He gave Lewis a ride. That entire week, I just stayed really quiet. And I said, this is for my legacy. Give George running left, 30. 25, 20, inside the 20, and down. First down, Tennessee. George with a 13-yard pickup. I'm willing to die for this legacy. I'm willing to die. To give Tennessee the lead. Snap, set, Anderson's kick on the way. Good! Game over. The curse of the Ravens, nevermore. Final score. Ravens 17. Tennessee comes to Baltimore and gets it done again. It's always a, a, just a treat to go into Baltimore and play and because they really didn't like us and we didn't like them. But it was a fond memories. But, yeah, that was, a, you know, we turned it over to Eddie and said, Eddie, you're going to have to win this for us. He did. What's the saying is the uh, the candle burns most brightly before it goes out. He, yeah. only, he only had one more game as a Titan, but yeah. to put that shoulder harness on yeah. that day yeah. and finish that thing was – that was the epitome of what the Titans were in that moment, and Eddie was such a big part of the soul of those Titans. He was. Um, week in, week out, just the start of training camp, practice after practice. You know, the, he wanted – Eddie wanted to play the whole game in preseason. He just wanted to play. You think of that now, you know, somebody asking to play, just p- let me play, you know. No, you can't, Eddie. You, half's enough or whatever it is, you know. That's how he was. He just loved the game and did, did not fear injury. Uh, I think he feared failure because all great players like that fear failure. But – he had no fear. He just wanted to play. What about Steve McNair and Eddie George as we wind this down? What do we not know that we should know about what they were to the Titans during that time? I wish I could describe the the feelings, the experiences that I had, um, not only as them being in a team meeting, talking to the team, and and and. They they're always paying attention. They're always staring at you. They trust you, uh, but more probably more importantly, it's that you know it's a game against here against Jacksonville, and you know it's third and eight, and if we get the first down, the game is over. And we've been ham pounding them, and and so they're out of timeouts. You get the first down, we kneel on it, and the game's over. And so. During the Jacksonville last time out, got him on the sideline and go, Steve, we can, you know, we put it on your hip. You can fake the ball, you know, and just keep it and get what you can. But I think they're expecting that, Eddie. I need eight. And Eddie goes, I'll get you 10, Jeff. Just give me the rock. And he got 13. And we kneel on it. The game's over. 
But the people don't realize those kind of conversations. Like, what's a coach doing talking to players like that or trusting a player? But that was the way they were. They're going to do what they said they were going to do. And, and um, you know, there's so, there's so much more to the relationships between a coach and a player than just what takes place on Sundays. And that's the thing that I, I'm honored to share with the listeners is, is how special those two relationships were to me. And their relationship with one another. Yes. Which were. was uh, all the stars you've been around. Yeah. How rare that these two guys, back-to-back first-round picks, were as close as what they were, both personally and professionally. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, they were. I mean, different backgrounds, oh. you know, different com- different styles of play. Probably didn't eat the same things, didn't sleep at the same time. But, boy, when it was time for football, they were close. And, um, you know, Steve was that guy that um, he was not going to play well if he hadn't had his nap. You know, and, uh, you know, you remember all that. And, you know, the hardest thing our equipment staff did here was find a place for Steve to nap prior, uh, on Sundays, but, you know, two hours or three hours for a kickoff on the road. Make him a little bed, tuck him away in the corner closet, but Steve has to nap before the game. And and if he didn't, he wasn't going to play very well. And I don't know what the numbers were, but I remember Heimerdinger coming in here in the first first regular season game, coming in there just fit to be tied, telling me the quarterback's sleeping. He went to make an adjustment with him pregame, and he's sleeping. I go, let him sleep. He goes, what? I go, if he doesn't sleep, he's not going to play well. So anyway, that that's how Steve was. Eddie, no, Eddie had a Eddie had his own personal private massage therapist and his diet, and you know Steve did what he did with burgers and shakes and beers and. Eddie was different, but man, when they when they put the plastic on their heads, they were one two one of a kind. This is a pretty special week. It was. Thank you for allowing me to share it. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff Fisher, with us on the OTP as we celebrate the retirement of the jerseys. Steve McNair and Eddie George Sunday as the Titans take on the Indianapolis Colts. Kickoff is set for noon at Nissan Stadium. Jeff, thank you. Thank you, Mike, and thank you for listening to the OTP. Offset eye to the right, two wide receivers to the right. Give George going right. Trying to get outside, he gets outside. 15, 10, 5, cuts back to the middle, dives for the end zone. Touchdown, Titans! Eddie George, 19 yards to Painter, and Tennessee up 20. They're stacked up tight, play action. Oh my. McNair looking deep, cuts up the middle, he can run. 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. 15, 10, 5, dive to the one-yard line. Like I said, run Steve McNair. Good call, Coach.